Hello, listeners. This is exciting time for me because I get to record Talk With Me. I am Marcia Epstein, and I am at my dining room table in Lawrence, Kansas, with my rainbow puppy at my feet. This is the day of a little gray and wet and ick in the Lawrence and Kansas City area. Um, ick to me means slick. I guess I should just say it out loud. Ooh, the worst kind of weather. Cold is okay. Um, this is getting towards the end of 2020. Some of us are saying yay and some of us are saying, well, it's not going to change everything just because of that. But yes, it'll be good to get past January 6th of 2021, electoral college vote. It'll be good to get past the inauguration and have some things visibly different because when we listen to the news, we'll be listening to very different people. Personally, I'm most excited about Kamala Harris. <laughs> and so that's, that's me. Um, yes, I'm excited. I, I think we're all so affected in so many different ways. And this is a good time for us to keep working hard together and pulling together, listening, well, even to people whose thoughts are very different from ours, showing a lot of compassion to ourselves and other people. Um, that's kind of who I am. I'm this social worker with a heart of social justice and more. And I love doing this podcast because I get to bring conversations with artists from lots and lots of different places. And they share with us about their art and about the personal part of their art. What what got them doing this thing? What are some things that are important to them in this time and this place? So I'm very excited to, after I don't know how many years of being nudged towards meeting this person, I finally got to meet my guest who is connected with many people who I know and respect. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited for you listeners to join us um, at your version of our dining room table. And so I welcome, and here I try to say things properly, I welcome Aup Essa, who is also known as Shaq Tom, and we'll talk about that. Welcome to Talk With Me. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me at your show. I'm, I'm glad so, to do this. I'm so happy and honored to be here with you. Yeah. So... Tell everybody just a little bit about you because they're like, okay, so she waited a year, more years, how many years, what? And and tell us a little bit about who you are. So who am I? Yeah, yeah. that's the big question. Not just what do you do, but who are you? <laughs> yeah, who am I? Yeah, uh, I hope I will find the answer to this question. <laughs> who am I one day? But <laughs> right. for the sake of simplicity, my name is Ayub Essen, and Ayub uh, translates as Job, Job in the Bible. So ah. it has a meaning in English as well. Uh -huh. And I have been in the United States for 14 years uh -huh. uh, to get my master's and PhD. I'm a graduate of KU. And I, before that, I was living in Istanbul, Turkey, the country of Turkey, not the gobble gobble country. <laughs> 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 or gobble gobble country, we can say. Um, <laughs> not everyone from Turkey might enjoy saying so, but I just love making that sound. Um, 
I've been uh, highly involved in uh, different projects, uh, interfaith, intercultural projects, human rights projects in, in the United States, especially. And I lived in Lawrence, Kansas for six years and about another six years in Kansas City and two years, Ohio. I've been a big fan of uh, Shaquille O'Neal and basketball, M NBA, American basketball. So, and I just love, you know, walking, uh, swimming and listening to music and writing book, poetry, essays and so on, yeah. So, okay, you say this, you're a big fan of Shaquille O'Neal. Tell me a little bit, of, tell us a little bit about that. How of all the American basketball players did Shaquille O'Neal become the one that you are enamored of? I love answering this question. So thank you so much for asking, first of all. Uh, I was actually just eighth grader when I uh, watched highlights of NBA games. Uh -huh. But initially, I didn't enjoy much. Although I just started playing basketball, I just started practicing, and I heard about NBA, the highlights didn't excite me until I saw this giant man, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> you know, he is so tall. He is you know, overweight in a way, but he can run so fast and he can dunk on everyone. I'm like, wow, I want to be like this guy. Okay. So I just, since then, since middle school, I started watching Shaquille O'Neal's all of basketball games. And remember, there is eight hours difference between Turkey and United States. Okay. So I was, I had to get up at 3 a.m. to watch the, <laughs> Exactly, 3 a.m. to watch the Shaquille O'Neal's basketball games. Uh -huh. If I didn't wake up at 3 a.m., I thought I am I am betraying oh. Shaquille O'Neal. So <laughs> I just had this love for, for him. Uh, that's uh, I mean, first, honestly, I gave those nicknames to myself. Turkish Shaq, White Shaq, Baby Shaq are different versions of... <laughs> And, you know, he was playing for Los Angeles Lakers back uh -huh. then. Uh -huh. And I bought all of the jerseys uh, <laughs> or, or any team that he played for. Los uh -huh. Angeles Lakers, Phoenix Suns, Boston Celtics. Uh, he played yeah. for Cleveland. The only jersey that I, that I didn't get was Cleveland because I just didn't really like their colors. Honestly, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, yeah, Shaq has a big kind of place in my heart even actually my I just got married this past January oh and my, congratulations thank you and my wife's birthday gift was water painting of Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> yeah and she did it she she did it yeah. so yeah I uh, I don't honestly feel so attached to different like celebrities except Shaquille O'Neal and Ellen DeGeneres I don't know. I just love that. You know, Ellen DeGeneres, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. I think those two, especially, are place <laughs> in my heart. What about Ellen? What, what drew you to Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> you know, she is so relatable. She is so sincere. Uh, you know, she's so genuine. Uh, and I get to know her through actually Twitter, uh, uh -huh. you know, Twitter, you know, they upload those short videos. Uh -huh. I'm like, who is this lady? You know, she has those like, I don't know if it is green or blue eyes, uh -huh. you know, looking so good and always making jokes and very personable. Uh 
yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have better like big study with Ellen as I had with Shaq, but I think I just find her so yeah. interesting. I just find her so sincere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, so you like the very big basketball player and the not so big lesbian comedian. <laughs> no, I, I like her, but uh, my story with Shaq, you know, it goes back to for 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. And you are, you've been in this Midwest. I always wonder how people come from other parts of the world to the Midwest. How, how did that happen? <laughs> so I got my master's from University of Cincinnati. And after that, I started applying for PhD programs all around the United States. Uh, and KU, University of Kansas, was the second best university among the ones that I got admitted. The, the better one was Arizona State. Um, and KU honestly had lower tuition. Uh -huh. That's why I chose KU. Yeah, it's important. So I had the, I didn't know much about Kansas. Yeah, I didn't know much about Kansas City or Kansas in general. Mm -hmm. That's how I ended up here. Mm -hmm. But if I had another choice to live in any state in the U.S. or any city, it would be <clears throat> city and Lawrence. I just love being in Midwest. Uh, people have been so hospitable. People have been so welcoming. Uh, really, I had mesmerizing experiences with my American friends uh -huh. in, in Midwest, and even I shared some of these positive experiences in my, in my poetry book. Oh, wonderful. I find it yeah. so- I am not colorblind. Yeah, yeah. One, of the, mm -hmm. one of the things in our life, my, my husband, my, my family's life has been having a, a dog that we adore. And, and our, uh, one of the places in Lawrence is a, a dog park, an off-leash park by the river in the north part of Lawrence. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because one, oh, several weeks ago when we were there, I was, in, I was looking at the river and the sunset was particularly beautiful. And I ended up chatting with a man who was doing the same thing. And as we talked a little bit and then we've, we've stayed uh, connected a little bit since then, I found that he is from India. And he had been at KU, he had worked at KU. Um, he's a scientist. He's actually a vaccine developer, which is like, oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I'm out of my league here. Uh, a, a very delightful person. And he had uh, also been in the more Northern part of the United States and specifically moved back to Lawrence, Kansas, because like you, he finds this place as a place where he really feels comfortable with the people and, and he sees the beauty of the land around here. And he's, you know, he enjoys the nature that's available. And, and again, I thought, wow, what, a, what an interesting thing that you know, so many people who have always lived in this country think of the middle of the country as nothing very interesting. And yet, you know, I, I see other people who, who appreciate the cultures, the people, the beauty and, and I love that. I love that part. Yeah. Yeah. 
I express my love for Kansas or Midwest as Los Angeles is the ears of the United States. A man can survive without ears. Okay. Chicago is the arms of the United States. A man can live without uh, arms. Okay. But Kansas is the heart of the uh, United States. A man cannot survive without <laughs> a heart. That's beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful. So that's your connection. Really, it's a heart connection. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, on thanks, you know, Thanksgiving is a special holiday for Americans. And our friends, a pastor and a teacher, Lou and Gloria, have hosted us for Thanksgiving dinners for three years in a row until they moved to another state. And also another friend, Jolene, hosted us for Thanksgiving uh, dinners. You know, people prefer celebrating with their own family members, but they also included us mm-hmm. as people from different countries. So that, that really meant a lot. So we felt we were included, we mm-hmm. felt welcomed and accepted and be part of the family. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it's <laughs> just beautiful and amazing yeah. experience with yeah. the local people. Yeah. And still, I have to say that as you bring up Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is complicated for our country. You know, Thanksgiving is a time of celebration that uh, a lot of us who of different generations grew up with it as this this big celebration. And then only, I would say for me in the past, you know, decade or so, really got reminded of, well, wait a minute, let's talk about what happened when people from Europe came to this country and what happened to the people who were the natives of this country and how Thanksgiving is not a celebration time in the same way. Uh, it has a very different meaning, you know, when you think about, oh, you know, this, this isn't actually a time that everybody was embraced. This was a time when uh, the people who had already been living in this country got kind of pushed aside and endangered in health ways and other ways. And it's, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It is. So I, I hope that in spite of the, the warmth and goodness side of gathering around a, a table of, of foods and, and wonderful people, I always hope that also now that we're having conversations about you know, this time and, and what we can do to, to make the world better. And I say that because I know from the bits I've learned about you already that that bringing people together and celebrating the variety of cultures and building understanding and connection, that's, that's who you are, you know? And so this, it's important. So before we get too far into your writing, I wanna just ask you a little bit about the writing though. So you've, you've loved Shaq since you were an eighth grade student. When did, when did writing become a thing for you to do, to create? your own works of writing, whether it's poetry or others? Mm -hmm. Uh, It goes back to middle school, although I mainly wrote just short essays, one or two page long essays. Uh, It was required in middle school in Turkey. I'm not sure if it is required here, I guess so. But so I started writing uh, just like short uh, essays and always there was someone who was better than me. And I wanted to be like that girl who always wrote the best essay. And I admired, I also thought she was the best. So I'm not uh, jealous and we were very good friends. I'm like, she's a great writer. I want to be like her. 
And when I went to uh, college, uh, I chose, uh, I majored in Turkish language, which also required us writing more. But again, just maybe two, three page long essays, although we wrote more. Uh, the main, I think, journey started in the US. I always liked writing, but I didn't take time and sit down and write. I thought I don't have time for that. You know, it requires time. But when I got a master, when I also majored in communication and leadership at Park University, I think that's when I started sitting down and taking time to write. So we had a lot of reflection papers that was five page, 10 page, 15 page long. Then I'm like, wow, this is already part of the class. I have to write it. And then I realized I love writing. I just had to sit down and write, start writing. And my professors and classmates who were from five different countries also loved my uh, writings. Actually, uh, I both wrote you know, poetry during the class and they were surprised that I am, my reflection paper was in a poetry format. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> which wasn't uh, yeah and the professor was very flexible I I love him you know because in academia they may require you to write more in an academic way um, so uh, mainly I would say I started writing around uh, four or five years ago uh, and that's when I started writing my poetry but also Global Warming of Hearts my first book and yeah, I think, it, but oh, I shouldn't forget this. Actually, I have to mention this, that I started writing a uh, novel in Turkish about five years ago. Then uh, a, a, an attempted coup in Turkey took place about uh, for July 15, 2015, 2016. And I saw a lot of injustices uh, going on in Turkey, a lot of innocent women, even babies, journalists, attorneys, doctors were being jailed. So at that moment, I stopped writing in Turkish any longer. I said, I want to be more global. So I just switched to English. And it really devastated me to see what was going on in my own country. And I said, you know, I don't want to write anything in Turkish anymore, as a novel, especially, which is a very big project. Uh, sometimes my Turkish friends uh, say, oh, can you send me the Turkish? I say, I don't have the Turkish one. It's just in English. <laughs> sometimes you know, people think I write in Turkish then translate it to English, but that's not the case. Uh -huh. It's fully English. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to, although middle school years, but just very short, but the main uh, part in my life when I started writing poetry and my first book, Global Warming Cold Hearts, goes back to just like four or five years ago uh, at Park University. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so how did Park University become part of your path? Uh, it's, it's an interesting story. After getting my PhD, I got another master's in <laughs> communication and leadership. So I have two masters, one PhD, not to brag, but... And, Actually, communication and leadership is just part of our life. Mm -hmm. Anyone in the world, to me, should study communication and leadership mm -hmm. because we are all living with other human beings, but also 
as you, you have your dog, all other you know, creatures. So we have to know how to communicate effectively, to be happy, to make others happy, to make a difference in the world, to do self-care and what, what's, what not. So I just decided to take uh, master's uh, classes. And actually, yeah, I uh, got my master's in three years in communication and leadership. Uh, that's how it became part of my family. Uh, or career, not family. Well, maybe family too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's really where your writing bloomed, it sounds like. Yeah. Actually, I'm very thankful to, especially one of the professors, uh, Mark, Dr. Mark Noya, uh, for that, giving that, giving that, to give me that flexibility and freedom. Because mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, especially when you are pursuing your master's and PhD, uh, professors might have more rigid rules that you have to follow, mm -hmm. but he let me do whatever I want. And he accepted my book as my master's project. Very good. But it was for me hobby and he accepted as a master's project. Yeah. So I want you to tell us some about the book, Global Warming of Hearts, including the fact that, that the author credit is Shaq Tom, PhD. <laughs> Shaq Tom, yeah. <laughs> So maybe I should explain what Shaq Tam is first, then uh, <laughs> talk about the book. Shaq Tam, I, again, after this uh, attempted coup in Turkey, uh, I was afraid that I was being tracked by Turkish government. Uh, they see people, Turkish people who live in the US as more like a threat to their government because 90% of Turks living in the US do not support Turkish government. And I am speaking up against human rights violations in Turkey. I'm a, a board member in a, for an organization, national organization called Advocates of Silence Turkey, but I am highly involved in Dialogue Institute. So, and I've been, I have given talks at different universities, faith communities, uh, police departments, sheriff's offices in, in, in Kansas City mainly, but also in a few different states. So I had to cha change my Facebook name um, from my original name, Avesan, to Shaq. Shaq, again, the story goes back to Shaquille O'Neal. I wanted to choose uh, Kobe as my last name, but Facebook said it's a fake name. And they thought Shaq time is a real name, I guess. <laughs> I don't really have any good story about Tom. I just didn't want to think too much about my last name on Facebook. And I just chose Tom. I have a good friend whose name is Tom and also, you know, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's the story of Shakta. And in my book, uh, first book, Global Warming of Hearts, I intentionally didn't use the name of any person in the world uh, because or also, I didn't mention any city name or person name. Uh, I just mainly used adjectives and values. What I mean by that, say, uh, some people may love your idea, but when they hear of your name, they might have a prejudice against what you say. Mm -hmm. For example, they might see an African-American name or a Muslim name or a Jewish name or a Jewish city, a Muslim city, 
although they may like that idea, they may even not bother to read what you write if they see the name of that city, the name of the person. Uh-huh. And I, but for example, when I talk about Midwest, I use the term the welcoming states. Or when I talk about Kansas City, welcoming city. Or I try not to use negative adjectives. Instead, mm-hmm. for a city that I didn't enjoy much, I said the interesting city. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, mis- another uh, adjective I used for a person that I admire, that I take as a role model and that I got inspired as Mr. Acceptance instead of giving out his name, uh-huh. because I just wanted people to focus on the values, uh-huh. not who said it, not where these people are from. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, it is very sad. Uh, for example, I had a friend who hated, in, not mm, disliked, but to the extent that animosity was there, he, she just didn't like uh, religious people or spiritual people. And, you know, she uh, was having problems with her husband, uh, mainly because they didn't have a baby, you know, because of the health health reasons. Mm -hmm. And I had read a kind of an article written by a religious scholar, and I wanted to share it with her. But I thought, you know, if she uh, kind of saw who wrote it, she may not bother to read it. Uh-huh. Then I just copied and pasted in a word and shared it with her. She just loved the context. She loved, just loved the article. Uh-huh. And my goal was not to promote that scholar, that religious scholar. My uh-huh. goal was just to support her, just to be with her. Uh-huh. And she just loved it. She said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. So that's kind of a lesson in my life. Uh, just, you know, there are great activists, great uh, leaders all around the world from different traditions, different faiths, different, you know, could be atheists, could be agnostic. But if we say an atheist scholar said this, some religious folks may not bother to read and Uh vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I care about what is being said. Mm-hmm. instead of who said it mm-hmm. so that's uh and global warming of hearts included uh, short stories uh of uh people who really contribute to the global warming of hearts for example i attended a meditation service uh, a few years ago in kansas city at 5 15 a.m not p.m a.m and I ran into a friend and I asked her, hey, where is Pat, who is one of our common and close friends? She said, oh, she was sick, so she stayed home. She couldn't come. Then I uh, emailed a few of my friends and asked if we can like take maybe soup uh, for her. And this lady emailed me back at 11 a.m. saying that she went to Pat's home and left the soup. She knocked at the door, Pat didn't open, so she just left by the door. I was really mesmerized because I emailed her around 5.30 a.m. and she already woke up and made that soup and took it to Pat's home. Uh And she's asking me if it is okay just to leave it by the door. Uh So those kind of incidents really inspire me 
to write the to write that book and yeah just just one example of a story that might really warm yeah. the hearts of so. yeah yeah so mm. do you have a sense of who's reading your books you have a sense i don't know what information mm -hmm. you get about about the mm -hmm. purchases of books uh like where yeah, they are uh, is what i'm thinking not yeah that you would know their names but yeah yeah uh, I don't have a specific, I guess, you know, Amazon, I sell it on Amazon. Uh, you know, Amazon doesn't give that data, but okay. I have given a book. I had a book signing days uh, about especially global warming of hearts mm -hmm. in different universities mm -hmm. in Kansas City and different faith communities. Mm -hmm. And also Kansas Authors Club mm -hmm. hosted me uh, about two years ago in Lawrence. Mm -hmm um main yeah and also for i am not colorblind the new poetry book that i have mm -hmm. uh, i will have a, a virtual book talk uh, in saint joseph missouri mm -hmm. that will be virtual actually okay and also and a, a church in kansas city overland park olata okay. actually okay. yeah Mm -hmm. so the one that's virtual then will there be a way for people to find out um when that is and how they could participate, how they could be in your audience? Yes, uh, I think the best, the easiest way to follow me will be my Facebook page. Uh, I am not colorblind is the title, is the name of my Facebook page. Okay. I am not colorblind. Okay. I will create an event there. Okay. The first one will be January 9th uh, in the evening of 5 p.m. And the next, the following one will be January 7th, 11 a.m. in the morning. But I'm going to post this on my Facebook page. Great. But also my, uh, I am not colorblind. I guess that okay. would be easier for people okay. to follow. Yeah. And the, the one that's virtual mm -hmm. in St. Joe, when is that one? Which is yeah, the January 9th. Okay, January 9th. Okay. Very good. January 9th should be Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Okay. Five, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about your writing, but we haven't heard any of your writing. And I welcome oh. you if, <laughs> if there's something that you would like to read from both books as we spend this time together. But where would you like to start to share something so people get, get that sense of you as a writer? Mm -hmm. uh, let me start with a poetry poem uh, from my book, recent book, I Am Not Colorblind. <laughs> Let's see, you know, I think uh, poets uh, feel like all of these poems are like their babies. <laughs> so uh, let me see which one I should share. Um, maybe I should start with Today I Am George Floyd. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I have many more to share, but I want to start with this. Today I Am George Floyd. My happiness cannot come out of selfishness. If my happiness is individual, it is hypocrisy. After George Floyd's killing, I cannot say my friends are safe. When George's family is crying, I cannot say my family is doing great. When someone is killed, all humanity should grieve. Oh, mom, I think I cannot breathe anymore. But do not take my revenge by anger. Maybe my separation will bring liberation. Maybe it will be a wake-up call for humanity. 
Oh, mom, I still do not hate anyone. You only taught me how to love people. They ask me to hate people. I can breathe in hate, but I can only breathe out peace. You only taught me how to convert hate to love. To those who are ready to invade places, say, you can only conquer hearts. Have you heard of invaded hearts? Never, ever. Peace does not come by coercion. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, to me, you know, all of us should grieve when someone is killed unjustly, unjustly, or killed simply, actually, uh, in any parts of the world, uh -huh. in any parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this incident really inspired me, or, you know, it, it, it was very upsetting to see that video footage of George Floyd. I mean, it was hard to watch, but he is a human being, he is the son of a mother. He is the brother of another sibling. He is the friend of many others. It's yeah. it's hard to see, even just to watch. You know, I cannot imagine what his family has been going through mm -hmm. as someone who has no blood relationship with him, just as an ordinary human being. It it just upset me so much mm -hmm. and you know it made news all around the world mm -hmm. i was talking to my mom he asked about george floyd i was talking to my friend who lives in france who lives in germany they all ask about george floyd mm -hmm. so he's but i hope it will be a wake-up call to mm -hmm. bring justice to bring equality mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. And and I get, I want to ask you about your own experiences. I think about one of one of my dear friends um, lives in Birmingham, England, and his his he is Muslim. He is Pakistani British, um, and a couple years ago, he when he was in the in the Midwest on a work project. At the end of that time his wife and children joined so they could do um, some travels in the United States. And his wife wears a, a hijab and his, oh. their skin is, is brown. Um, mm -hmm. They have um, British accents, you know, but so they, so when Sayed was talking about this travel, I was feeling really concerned. Like you, he's a totally love filled person um, and still, I thought our country, this country is not welcoming to all. And there's more and more during this, this, this four years of this current president, there's more open, from my perspective, um, animosity, even violence and, and verbal abuse. And I was really worried about what it was going to be like for them. And actually, actually for them, um, there wasn't anything they did. They did more traveling than I could believe in the time they had, and and their experiences were good, and they and they were appreciative of seeing different parts of the United States. Um, 
but I also know that that's not that's not everybody's experience to be welcomed, mm -hmm. you know. And in in Lawrence, one of the, one of the special little stores that I go to is the Mediterranean Market, and I mm -hmm. asked the the owner at one point, you know, there was some there was some violence in a uh, a window shattered in a Mediterranean restaurant in downtown Lawrence uh, at that time, and I and I asked him, I said, you know, how how are you, you know. And and I and people are having different kinds of experiences. I, so I wonder what what your experience has been in this country, in terms of you know people that you've encountered in different ways. You know, you you obviously are approaching people with compassion and love and the desire to connect. And still, I'm going to guess that sometimes there are people who do make judgments and do behave in ways that that for me nobody should behave. Actually, I have a poem about this question. Okay. If you let me read it. Absolutely. Uh, that I wrote this poem November 9th, 2016. Uh, if I'm not misremembering, remembering, it was right one day after the previous election. Okay. That um, I had a meeting, I had, you know, meetings with friends uh, in November, um, and 2016, and I saw some of my friends felt so upset because of the result of the election. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were grieving. They just felt so upset. And I thought I would, I need to support them. I was not, I couldn't first understand they really were grieving. Um, but I wanted to share with them what I, what United, living in the United States meant for me. And there are different versions of this poem, but I wanna, uh, and this poem's all, poem also reflects the diversity and inclusion uh, that I have experienced in the US. Let me start. The America that I know. The America that I know is the Jewish professor who invited me to a fast-breaking dinner in her home at a time when we were not invited anywhere else. It is the pastor and his wife who invited me and my friends for a Thanksgiving dinner in their home for three years in a row until they moved to another state. It is St. Andrew Christian Church and its pastor who opened the doors of her church when we did not have a place to have a Saturday brunch. It is the UMKC professor who hosted relatives of my friends in their home for tea when I asked could you host them to show the hospitality of Kansas City people? It is the Ricky family who lent their car to a Turkish guy who fled oppression from his country in exchange for nothing but love. It is my American mother who hugged me when I couldn't hug my own, my own mom for 11 months. It is, it is the attorney who didn't go to bed until 6 a.m. to help Turkish businessmen have a tour in Kansas City. It is the Pakistani American doctor who gives her everything for refugees. It is the poet who brought a gift for the new coming Turkish family to Kansas City. It's the Congressman Cleaver who walked into my friend's school with the concern that Dialogue Institute had to move from its old office due to a hate speech. It's my Mexican friend 
who kindly let me translate and read her poetry in Turkish. It is my African-American friend who offered to make a documentary about Biology Institute and donate. It is my Buddhist friend who opened his temple for an interfaith prayer service during Ramadan. It is my Native American friend who brought her dance group to the Turkish festival in exchange of love. It's my LDS friend who invited me to her radio show to spread the message of peace, Kim. The America that I know that is striving to make, to wake up, to make Martin Luther King's dream real. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and leave out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold those truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That's lovely. That's what I love uh, about living in the United States. Uh -huh. um, I try to focus on the positive experiences and both with global warming of hearts, trying to inspire people with these positive experiences. That doesn't mean the negativity is not there, but there is too much negativity in the world going on. And I think people in the world do not like expect me, are not waiting to hear from me about those experiences. But, but um, you know, I want to share something interesting, honestly, that I've been in this country for 14 years. And I am originally from Istanbul, Turkey, as I said before, and I practice Islam. Uh, I went to an Islamic center 14 years ago in Ohio, Cincinnati, and I stepped inside this mosque and my first impression, you may be shocked to hear this, but I was like, oh my gosh, these guys look like terrorists. I said, oh my gosh, these guys look like terrorists. And those people shared the same religion with me, but, they had uh, a little bit darker skin and had beards. So my brain, I guess, automatically thought they are potential terrorists. But how I came up with this idea, what media portray as a terrorist. You know, if you have dark skin, if you have beard, you are the stereotypical terrorist. Then I thought, you know, I practice the same faith. And I am from Istanbul, I'm from a Muslim country. And then that moment, I, it was a wake up call for me to educate myself, but to also help other people get educated. Mm -hmm. Because if I am having this prejudice, this uh, prejudice or that stereotype uh, mindset uh, as a person, as a Muslim person for mm -hmm. uh, others uh, who share the same religion, I, I said, I cannot judge anyone else who does not practice Islam, if they have say, lack of ignorance, if they have ignorance, lack of education or lack of understanding for those people. So that's, I think that was kind of a wake up call for me to do more intercultural and interfaith work. So, so if I'm understanding you, you'd been in the United States long enough that the United States media influence brought that idea to you that 
people who look a certain way are terrorists and and not not that you wanted to have that thought but you recognize that you have it which which you know to me is that's that's an important thing for us to reflect on how powerful those outside images and influences are you know i think in a in a very different realm but a similar influence when my older son was very young, um, one of my closest friends, and so he was, he was around all my friends, just the way that, that we were. Um, one of my closest friends was a young gay man um, who was a social worker and uh, he was planning a commitment ceremony. At that time, it wasn't possible to, for people of the same gender to marry. Mm -hmm. And uh, Craig and Scott were planning a commitment ceremony and the Unitarian Fellowship of Lawrence agreed for them to use their space to do that. And Craig had asked me to, in essence, be his best man <laughs> oh. <laughs> to stand up for him in the wedding. And my little child who was about four years old said, boys can't get married. And that kind of broke my heart. It's like, why do you... Why do you have that information in your head? You know, that only it has to be a man and a woman for them to love each other and get married. That made me sad. And mm -hmm. also like for you was that wake up call. It's like, wow, you know, that's not the values he's hearing at home, but somehow that's something that he has picked up. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I, I mean, that is really, uh, that was a really big wake up call. And I am, I'm happy that I had that call. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, you, you talk about your best man experience. Uh, my best man is uh, a, a woman uh, as an American Christian woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, in my wedding, you know, that's not, this show is not about my wedding, but the reason I am mentioning is we had 400 people and 200 Americans, 200 uh, Turkish people. So it was both like Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, uh, Jewish, and you would see a police officer, you would see a social worker, you would see a professor, um, um, a faith leader or agnostic or atheist. So it was like a friendship gathering. Wonderful. And my, uh, we had an MC at our wedding who was a unity pastor. And my best man was a Christian American lady. Uh, you know, this, this wording best man was the only thing that confused me. Uh, and best man, I just asked a few American friends, can a woman become a best man? You know, or is it just for men? Uh -huh. They said, no, you can choose a woman. Then I asked that woman, Sherry, hey, uh -huh. can you be my... And she was surprised and happy. And some of my uh, friends from Turkey was surprised uh, that I chose her or why... I, even one of my very close male friends said, I want to be your best, best man. I want to be your best man. Uh -huh. I said, if you like, you can also sit with us. <laughs> But I, I chose her intentionally because, you know, we, we had fun. It's an entertainment. Uh, it's a fun, you know, to have your wedding. But I also wanted to have a, a message to give out to the world. You uh -huh. know, we can uh, live together. Uh, 
a Christian woman can be the best man of a Muslim guy, Muslim guy. Mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't always, or I don't prefer to just specify, hey, I'm Muslim, he, she is Christian. To me, I'm a human being, she's a human being. Uh-huh. Uh, that's how I see her, and we just, yeah, enjoy getting together, but yeah, just that's that lovely. was something I wanted to mention, yeah. I'm happy for you and your wife that your wedding plan happened before the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I sometimes tease my wife because we just say like we got, we met on October 26th of last year. Our engagement party was November 3rd, one week later. And in two months we got married. Wow. She was kind of thinking, oh, should we get married in March or June? Or oh. <laughs> Then I'm like, now I tease her, see if we, we wouldn't get this 400 people, it would be illegal. <laughs> That's right. It would be unsafe. Yeah. And unsafe. Yeah. It, it would be unsafe. It's yeah. It, so yeah, it's, we are happy that we got it on. In Wonderful. January. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Does your wife also write? Uh, she, she paints, she, you said, she said you, she, you got a watercolor. Yeah. She has different artistic s- uh, skills. Actually. She uh-huh. does water. She does uh, the paintings. Uh, well, she does, like four or five different arts, even that I cannot name. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please say I don't her know name. Names, but we're, we're, uh, we've her, but we haven't said her name. Her name is Marve. Marve. Most uh-huh. American friends call her Merv. <laughs> 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 and I sometimes call her Merv. <laughs> Just to have fun in the in the home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Does she have she, a favorite of your poems in Colorblind? Oh, she, let's see, she, let me see which one she likes the best. She, oh yes, the weather is always nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can read that if you like. Yes. Yeah, it's. And she was surprised to read, uh, read and listen to this poem. Uh, so it's actually, let me give the background story about this poem. I, I don't know, for some reason, I felt upset to hear negative words that are related to anything, but also related to weather. Uh, people might say, oh, it's, we have a terrible weather. It, we have an awful weather. Say, we might say if it is too hot, you know, Midwest gets too hot. We may use that awful term in the summer or when it gets too cold in the winter. Or too um, slick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I'm thinking, some uh, animals or some fruits, some vegetables, they all need different, you know, weather conditions. Mm-hmm. So if it is cold, it is for a reason. If it is hot, it is for a reason mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, with the Dialogue Institute, we were organizing trips to Turkey. And one of our uh, trips that was actually, wow, now going looking back, it was 10 years ago. We visited a tutoring center that was giving, uh, that was providing education free for uh, low SES students and for minority students. And one of our hosts shared a story that they were making home visits. 
home visits to their students to get to meet their family. And they went, they visited their family, a woman, a single mom uh, who lost her, her husband. And they are living in a, even we cannot call it a home, let's say a ho house without a roof. Can you imagine a house without a roof? Mm -hmm. And this woman prayed and prayed and said, please do not let it rain because they didn't have a roof. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so that uh, story really kind of inspired me. And I started thinking about this uh, why do we call, why do we use bad or negative adjectives for weather? Mm -hmm. So I just came up with this poem. The weather is always nice. The weather is always nice. It may be cold in the winter. It may be hot in the summer, but it can never be terrible. Do you remember the single mother in Turkey? She lived in a house without a roof. She prayed constantly, please do not rain this winter. Please do not rain this winter. Sometimes it is the sincere words of a desperate woman that change weather conditions. Sometimes it is the sincere cry of a small bird that is tired of the cold weather, that is looking forward to the warm weather of summer. The weather is never terrible. When it is raining, the vegetables need it. When it is cold, apples and pears are needed. It. Ottomans do not exist anymore. Not everyone is building bird houses. Don't say the weather is bad. If it is hot or cold, it is for a reason. <laughs> Uh, that is, uh, you know, we, I think, you know, as human, you know, we sometimes say, oh, it's horrible weather. It's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> when my wife said the weather is terrible, I shared this poem. And she <laughs> said, wow, I never thought about it. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing for me because part of what I relate to is that I... I try to avoid generalizing with negativity. Like people will say, oh, it's been a terrible year. It's been a terrible this, you know, not just the weather. And my response is it's very important for us to actually notice that there are differences in every day and every hour and, you know, whatever. Even our emotional pain that we feel about things that are, that are hard for us does not stay at the same intensity all the time, it changes. And so in, in work with people who have a lot of thoughts about suicide and have attempts about suicide, mm. one of the things that becomes irregular is, I want you to notice at least one thing that was a highlight about this day. And I would like you to also notice one particularly good thing about yourself each day. Mm. So we would keep sort of a goodness journal as a way of making sure people didn't get blind to those things that are the, the good parts, even when there are hard things going on around us. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So you I ask, put you yeah. on the spot by asking you to read your wife's favorite. Are there others that you think are particularly favorites of hers or yours that you'd like to share? Sure, just uh, maybe a couple of more. Okay. Uh, one is very short, uh, just to, again, share my love for this country, uh-huh. U.S. or us. U.S. can be pronounced us if you eliminate the dots. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what the U.S. meant to me, us. It was not you, them, and me, but us, U.S. without dots. Uh-huh. Or you could use those dots to connect people. Just ah. connect the dots. Uh-huh. That's, I like that. Uh, and that's, yeah, one of my, I, I try to kind of share this in my presentations to different groups. Uh-huh. But um, let me see which one I... Uh, oh, maybe hope and promise. That's, you know, the, yes. the, yeah, the hope and promise. The, and I'm gonna, yeah. The, the poem itself actually also explains the background story of it. So I'm not gonna give too much information rather just to kind of read the poem. Hope and promise. A single mom with two daughters fleeing from her country as people wanting to take away her freedom. Her hope was to live in a camp in Germany. What a dream. Not even enough nutrition to breastfeed her little twin daughters. She named them hope and promise. Right before her husband passed away, she told him, let's name them hope and promise hope they would never lose hope in this life and promise no matter what they would serve no matter what they would serve humanity at the border after an exhausting journey to germany innocently but shamefully detained by the border police who ask what brought you here do your daughters need milk The mother bursting into tears as she was not asked this question for a few days. Kids were smiling. Should it not be natural that babies would smile always? No. If you do not have food to eat, milk to drink, you do not smile. Their mother was smiling too. It was the smile of hope. It was the smile of promise. Being allowed to stay in the same room with her babies. What else could she have wanted? She didn't have big dreams. No, do not look down on her. That was her dream. That's the biggest dream of a young mom. Being allowed to sleep in the same room with her babies. Yes, she was in the camp in a little gray tent. Maybe it was the color of hypocrisy. It was the color of desperation. No, she would add her own flavor and convert the color of gray to hope and promise. Waking up in the wee hours of the day, getting ready to prepare prepare breakfast for herself and her family and neighbors, who she was planning to invite, but she remembered she was in a refugee camp in a little tent no refrigerator, 
no extra food, no coffee, no dessert to offer, having to get into a line of 300 people. She was peaceful, although her heart seemed, seemed turned to pieces, seemed torn to pieces. She had to bear it for her kids and keep her hope alive. She could never break her promise to humanity, no matter what. She would serve humanity, not now, but maybe in the future. No, no, that cannot be her goal. It was her turn after waiting for 300 people in the line. She saw another mother who looked more hungry than she was, looking at her and giving her turn to her not speaking the same language, not having the same skin color, but did it matter? Their color was the color of water. It was the color of equality. It was the color of hope and promise. Oh, that's lovely, really lovely. <laughs> that uh, especially uh, Global Warming of Hearts, the first book I had, Mm -hmm. had stories of people who have been through challenges in the life, but always ended with a message of hope. Not just, you know, leaving people in desperation. Mm -hmm. As we actually just said a few minutes ago, we shouldn't feel stuck in our home now. You know, this year has been unique for all of us, but if we just feel stuck, we will feel bad. Mm -hmm. But if we say we are having a podcast now, we are doing mm -hmm. something, we are doing something productive. Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't maybe come together in person, mm -hmm. but maybe these challenges help us to become more creative. Yes. Um, I mean, I was able to talk to people, my friends who live in different states, even different countries during this pandemic, mm -hmm. but I was able to, I think I had the chance to chat them video chat them 10 years ago as well or five mm -hmm. years ago but i didn't think about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this woman uh i traveled to turkey with who lives in san antonio texas i just chatted her a few months ago but i didn't talk to her for 10 years can you believe that mm -hmm. we just exchanged emails right. but i guess we never thought about this video chats yeah uh so i think this uh, these times help us also to become more creative, to become more caring and pondering and respecting to uh, people who sacrifice. Say, when I went, when I go to doctor, I also, I don't know if he thinks I'm weird, but I say, thank you for your service. If I go to a market, I tell the cashier, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more, I think, a term to, that we use for the army, you know, veterans or, you know, people serving in the army. But why not we don't say this expression to a cashier, yeah. not a doctor, or, yeah, who, whoever has to work during these times. Yeah. Just, you know. We can be more generous with the kind words to people around us, I guess. I, I think that's really important. I think that's a, actually a lovely note for us to end on, that we, we all have the opportunities to do things, different kinds of things for different ones of us that bring goodness and positivity and connection to the world. We, we all have that, that opportunity to contribute on the positive. And I think sometimes 
we can, if, if we don't remember that and find things we can do, we can feel overwhelmed with the challenges and we can feel uh, so discouraged. And so to me, it's important to, to look at the things that I do have some control over. And mm-hmm. for me, one of those is, is that, that piece of bringing some light to some other people. I'm, I'm one of those people who has conversations with people in the grocery or whatever. And I am sometimes mm. gifted with amazing stories, you know, and, and also smiles on people's faces. I'm not pushy about it. You know, it's not like you have to talk to me, but, but w- one of my favorites is I, I think I'll always remember standing in the grocery where there is this selection of tortillas. And I, and I asked the gentleman who's obviously looking and trying to decide, I said, have you ever tried the ones that they bake here? Because they are especially good. And that ended up being about a 10 minute conversation because as he said, his first wife made the best tortillas that anybody has ever made. And he oh. told me about his wife and sadly she had died of cancer. And, and still the, the connection around tortillas at the grocery let him tell me about his beloved wife. And, and that was much happiness. And I think we have that opportunity to slow down and smile at people and, and greet them and let them say, no, I'm not saying demand a smile from somebody that isn't right. Good. But we can smile at somebody and offer a greeting and if they respond, we have the opportunity to really listen. We have, you know, some people have time that they can, you're, you're involved in a lot of volunteer efforts, you know, to, to bring people together across cultures and faiths. Some people can do parts of that. There, there are things that we can all do. Um, exactly. Some people have financial ability to contribute to causes that benefit others. And, and overall, I keep thinking there, there are always things that we can each do and feel exactly. good because we are enhancing other people's lives. That, yeah. You, you reminded me uh, of an experience, if you don't mind, that I want to uh, share. A few years ago, uh, we in Kansas City drove around Kansas City and shared food with the people living in the streets and also tea some kind of quesadilla kind of food and tea. Mm-hmm. And, but our goal was not just to give the food and leave, more took time and at least 30 minutes of conversation if they, mm-hmm. if they felt comfortable to talk to us. Mm-hmm. So I remember this man standing outside World Market in Kansas City. Uh, we said we have some quesadilla and tea would like to share would you mind accepting and he was very happy and i was with a few undergrad students and we started chatting he showed his phone uh he had a cracked screen he said i have a phone but nobody calls me and i don't have anyone to call and this guy was is a was a veteran in the army in the u.s army so that uh and he said he is having one of his best days in the life. Oh. And I couldn't imagine. I mean, it deeply affected me. I'm a foreigner. I'm an immigrant. And, you know, this uh, issue about refugees is a 
you know, it's controversial in a way. Some people say yes to refugees. Some people say no to refugees. But my point is, I understand to a certain extent why people might be against refugees, but let's care about American refugees living, the, living in the bright streets of the United States. If you don't care about a foreign person, foreign refugee, let's care about our own American refugees living in the bright streets in the US. Mm -hmm. And homeless men on the plaza sounds very oxymoron to me. Mm -hmm. Plaza is the richest area and you have homeless people there. Mm -hmm. This sounds really oxymoron to me. So for people who are against refugees, I'm not saying I'm against you, but please let's care about the American refugees living in the United States. Yeah. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing this time with us. And thank I, you so much. Yes. And so I want people to know um, there in, in the podcast upload area, um, when you found the podcast to listen to, you will also see the email address, um, so that you can be in contact. You will see the Facebook page for, I am not color. I am not colorblind to be able to follow. Um, if perhaps you have the resource and would like to buy the book to hear different parts of it from video, um, with, with, things that are coming up with presentations. I want people to feel that connection and to really think about things that we said. And to me, you know, one of those things is for people to think about how you, as a Turkish person in this country, somehow picked up media messages about terrorists, what they look like. Um, and that, that reminder that we really need to be talking to people, we need to be able to realize some of the things that we have picked up at different points in our life that are not truths and to be able to open our hearts to everybody. So um, Shaq Tom, also known as Ayup Essen, um, the given name, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope, thank you. <laughs> yes, you are so welcome. We hope that everybody goes forth and does a little more goodness than they might have done if they hadn't listened to us today. Thank you and so long. Thank you.